you have one thing, at least one thing that you're great at, that makes you special, that you're passionate about, go after that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. Today, we have a very special guest, Ben Gothard, down from Louisiana. Absolute stud, just killing the game in entrepreneurship. Uh, started at a young age. So the first 16 minutes, we get into his background, where it all started for him. After that, we follow up uh, with the phone call that Ben received while in college, went to LSU. Talks about the phone call that ended up changing his life forever, but really kind of sparked his entrepreneurial spirit that he didn't know was there. Uh, but when he looks past, back at his past experiences uh, up to that point, he realizes it was there, just hadn't been tapped into to its fullest potential yet. And I promise you, when you listen to this, you will understand he is doing just that. Uh, then we get into the ups and downs of his first company, uh, how he developed as a leader, some of the mistakes that he made along the way too. So, you know, he, we always see the good side of things that are happening to people, uh, but he talks about his, his failures too, you know, where he went wrong and what not to do next time. Um, and he really hammers the importance of focusing on your strengths. And a few times I was like, man, I just got Gary Veed up in this bitch. Uh, Tim, what'd you take away from this one, my man? Yeah, so Ben's... The definition of a go-getter, some somebody that everybody can learn from, entrepreneurial spirit. He talks about publishing his very first book, CEO at 20, a little book for big dreams, kind of inspired by his experience starting that social media marketing agency. I learned a lot from him talking about that, and just the lesson I took away is you, it's okay to fail when you first start a business. Anybody can do it. It's just all about having that persistence and openness to new experience and learning as, as time goes on. It's, anybody can do it. It's all about finding that within inside of yourself. Talks about starting his own podcast, Project Egg, where he interviews entrepreneurs from around the globe, including Grant Cardone, Patrick Bet David, Pat Flynn, just the names he was dropping. I mean, he flew down to Miami to interview Grant Cardone. Yeah. If that's not go getter. <laughs> Yeah. Find me something that is. So, he, yeah, he's the definition of someone who really went out, took advantage of his network. He talks about the way he, he outreached to people, the amount of emails, DMs he sent. He's just the definition of an entrepreneur, and he had it inside of him all along. So we talk – and, and just, just when you thought he wasn't done, he even ran a concert at his, his college. He organized, ran it, and he kind of – he ends the show kind of talking about the biggest influences in his life mentors he's had the role they've played and i i know you guys are going to get a lot from this so and one more thing i want to talk about if you guys have 20 seconds out of your day do you have 20 seconds i have 20 seconds tim what do you need me to do yes, i got you 20, whenever you get a chance leave us a five star rating and review on itunes it really doesn't take that long and we really appreciate any feedback you guys have for us dm dm us on instagram after do so. Slide right in. And we will send you a free laptop sticker. So that's what I want to end on. Please enjoy this episode. Episode 48, Ben Gothard, founder of Gothard Enterprises. So yeah, we kind of want to just recap. Uh, we did talk off air a bit about your story, what you've been doing, the businesses you've started from, you know, very beginning while you were in school to now. Uh, so if if you wouldn't mind just kind of starting there and then we'll 
probably interrupt you at some point along the way and ask, ask away. Sure. So let me just start off by saying, you know, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, to a, uh, a Jewish family, Jewish home. Um, I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world because of the family that I was born into. Um, mom and dad are the greatest. And my grandparents, all four of them lived in New Orleans. And if you're looking on a map, like the street was like a, like a U almost. Yeah. And on one side of the U was one set of grandparents. And on the other side of the U was the other set of grandparents. So you could literally walk from grandparents' house to grandparents' house. So uh, very family. That's pretty cool. Oh, it was amazing. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful for that because I had amazing relationships with my grandparents. Um, My grandpa's the only one left on my dad's side. He's about 88 years old. Um, My grandma on my mom's side passed away last week. Um, my uh thank you my grandma on my dad's side uh passed away about a year ago and then my papa on my mom's side passed away about nine years ago so it's been a been a rough 12 months Um, yeah yeah so it's uh but but anyways to get back to the story uh very lucky very family oriented um and my parents always 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 encouraged me and allowed me to make my own decisions and gave me a lot of freedom and very thankful for that. And because of that, I felt like there was nothing that I couldn't try. And if I tried something, put my mind to it, I was usually pretty good at it. Mm. Um, So from a young age, I started playing a lot of video games and I loved games like, uh, like Diablo two world of Warcraft, league of legends, like playing stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure why I like those games in particular. Uh, oh, I also like this game called uh, Medieval 2 Total War. That game was awesome. <laughs> I would literally stay up all night just playing that game, trying to conquer like all of medieval Europe. <laughs> Enough conquering, Ben. <laughs> Go to sleep. Yeah. Um, but like... <laughs> 14 villages already. What more do you want? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of strategy, a lot of... Uh, like, like figuring out how to win and how to be the best at it. And I always remember in those kinds of games, I would always, always go towards more of an adventurer, uh, more of a merchant. I was always good at making money in those games. And it just, that's just what I like to do is like, clearly that's how, that's how you need That's what you needed to do to get to where you want to go. So it was always like, okay, what's the game? How do you play it? How do you beat it? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so that has kind of been a recurring theme of me trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? What's the game I want to play? How do I play it? How do you be the best? Let's do it. And growing up, um, you know, it was just, it was fun is what I, is what I love to do. And moving into high school, um, you know, when I was, when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, I was really chubby and all I liked to do was read and play video games. Then, you know, you get to high school and I remember being in homeroom in like seventh grade and like I would be trying to read in homeroom and like some girls would come up and they would try to talk to me and I was like, uh, I'm trying to read here, please. <laughs> you're, you're not my book, back off. Yeah. Priorities. <laughs> exactly. So huge nerd, huge nerd, the biggest nerd. And I love nerds, by the way. I say that very endearingly. Yeah. Um, but I was a huge nerd. And 
you know, over time I realized, well, that probably wasn't very nice. You should probably start being nice to people. Um, and so, you know, I started, I started really working on, uh, on my social skills, my people skills. And, um, about ninth grade, uh, I joined the cross country team, the track team, the basketball team, and I started working out, started eating right. Um, and, and I'd always make good grades. I mean, I, th- I think when I, when I was in high school, I think I made, or up till high school, um, uh, like until I graduated, I made like two B's. And, um, so I was always really good at school. And I think one of the, one of the reasons why was because when I was 12, 12, I started when I was 12, but it, like the event happened when I was 13, I had a bar mitzvah and that's a, you know, a Jewish custom where you learn to read Hebrew, you learn to speak Hebrew and you study, uh, the Torah. And so what that's like is imagine trying to read without vowels. It's really hard. It's very difficult. So, you know, for a passage that may last about, you know, 30 to 40 minutes to read through, you had to study a long time for it. So I, I studied for a year and I, I mastered that whole thing. I mean, I'm sure I made some mistakes during the actual event, but like right. you know, when it went great and, and I did the whole thing and I led the services. And from that point in time, I realized the power of preparing for something the power of literacy, of reading, of really, you know, being well read and really striving for something. And so, you know, that always helped me to get grades was to realize like, hey, I can do it. I know I can do it for sure. So come to high school, I started getting more into sports and I also started getting more active in some extracurriculars, right? So as I'm going through high school, I start taking leadership positions and start doing a lot of cool things. And by the end of high school, um, I'd done a lot of fun things like in the basketball uh, arena. Um, I was the, uh, the captain in 11th and 12th grade. And by the time I left my school, which is called Patrick F. Taylor, uh, uh, science technology Academy or something like that, a nerd school. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time I left there, um, I was the highest scoring player in the school's history. Oh, that's what's up. Um, and, in uh, in track, I actually threw the javelin. I wasn't that good. Oh, that's you know? so cool, though. But uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was it super fun. Me. Like I wanted to fence in high school because I wanted to fight with swords. Yeah, <laughs> and luckily, happen, luckily, I never, uh, I never impaled anybody. So you know, thank goodness for that. Extra fifty points if you do. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the kid, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, through javelin and then uh, ran cross country, and I went to state for for javelin and cross country. Um, and then we actually won state and cross country, but that was totally because of my teammates. I was like the slowest kid on the team, (laughs) but I did it, but I did it right. But, but there I learned a lot about discipline and, um, working harder than everybody else because my cross country coach was my basketball coach. And so he would make me go run five miles and then he would make me come back and join basketball practice and he would make me do all of the stuff that I had missed and then come in and join everybody else and then lead the practice because I was the captain of the team. And so that was every single day. And on top of that, after, after practice, I would go home and eat an entire rotisserie chicken. And then I would go to the gym and I would work out and I had an extra basketball coach on the outside, like outside of school too. So like, Man, I was working so hard to just get really, really good at the game and, and to really master it. And I still love yeah. basketball today. Um, and so, you know, I learned, like, if you put in more work, 
than everybody else and you put in more hours and you do it more intelligently. I'm not saying that I'm more intelligent than anybody else, right? right? But I'm saying I intentionally tried to work very hard and very smart and it paid off. And so, you know, in addition to the, to the sports stuff, I also helped to start, uh, well, I actually started the school's first ever weekly news program and it was myself. I was a, a host and then I had a co-host, uh, Emily, and then we had a producer, Sarah, and a, a technical video guy, editor guy, Jack. And every week we showed up, we made the, we made the news, we did the news, and every Friday, at, I think at like 12.30, maybe 10.30, something like that, it would air. It would air in, in school, and it was awesome. It was so awesome. cool. Yeah. And after that had happened a couple weeks, what was amazing was I would be walking around in the school and a sixth grader would stop me and be like, oh, and my school is called Patrick F. Taylor. And so the name of the show was called Taylor Tube. And so he would stop me. He's like, you're that guy from Taylor Tube. And I was like, yes, I am. That's right. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Role model. You're, yeah. a, you're a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> you start the radio show. What, what motivated you to do that? Yeah, so our librarian, Miss Khan, who I love, by the way, I love all, all the people from high school, all the teachers and everything, but she was like, hey, uh, it could be cool if we did some sort of um, news thing. Uh, what do y'all think? And I was like, yes, amazing. A chance to be center stage and <laughs> hog some attention. Like, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. About it wasn't enough. You need more. <laughs> exactly and and hope hopefully you know i'm, I'm totally uh totally yeah, yeah, yeah. just making fun of myself a little bit right, um right. but yeah so i was like that that's a great idea and so we started doing it and it was really fun it was like really really fun mm -hmm. um so you know i was doing that uh, i was also the president of muafa theta which was the math club in high school and the year that I was president I was a senior that year that was the first year that we ever went to state here we go the very first year that another, we ever went to state, state. <laughs> I, I don't know what I did in high school <laughs> I mean, that's great right. bad and, uh, and you know I will say it was a lot of the reason was because the like the the leadership team that was with me they were awesome like mm -hmm. I was like hey y'all this is what I want to do. This is what I think we can accomplish. Uh, let's do it. And they were like, okay. And they mostly did the hard work. I mostly just like had the idea and was like, let's do it. So that, you know, total, total. But everyone was on board. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was on board though. Like you, you set the precedent at the beginning. Like, Hey, this is the goal. Like, yeah, let's do it. So and you did the damn thing. Yeah, well, we we did it. We did it. I'm so proud of everybody that was that was part of that. Um, in addition, I was also the vice president of my class in senior year, and that uh, I want to tell you all this story. I was not trying to do that. Okay, that same librarian, Miss Khan, she pulled me aside one day. She's like, Ben, I think you should run for class president. And I was like, Miss Khan, I don't really want to be class president. And she's like, She's like, No, 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 you need to run. And I was like, I was like well, are there speeches? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'll give a speech, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be class president. She's like, good. So my whole intention of getting up there was to try to make everybody laugh and, you know, just try to give a good speech. And I was like, sure. there's another opportunity to go and speak on a stage. So why not? And this was a graduation, right? 
Uh, no, no. This was in the beginning of senior year to be okay. the the, cl- the class president. And okay. So, okay. so I, I got up there and, uh, you know, being a, uh, it was a public school, a public high school, and it was like a test in charter school or magnet school, whatever. So it was a very diverse group of students and we all loved each other, right? Like it was like a family, a total family. Um, and I mean, I love them all to death. And of course you get into disagreements and stuff, but, it, but it's like, it's really like a family. Like we, I graduated with 19 kids in my class. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it was time for us to give our speeches and I, and I got up and I mean, I'm sure this is totally not politically correct in any way, shape or form, but I, I didn't mean it as like, as anything mean. I just thought this would actually be a really good idea and it would really, you know, make people excited. So I literally, st- people are literally going to be like, man, this kid is such an asshole. But, no, you already said but, the president. Fuck it. But, so, so let me, I'll just tell you exactly what happened. So I started the speech and I said, I said, ladies and gentlemen of the senior class, I have a dream. <laughs> That we can become the best class that Patrick F. Taylor has ever had. That we can unite together and we can create a bond that will not be broken for the rest of our lives. They already know what we can do. They've seen us here for three years, for four years. But if we come together and we have this opportunity now to do that, we can make a difference in the school. We can get more time for lunch. We can get more time for PE. We can take the AP classes that we want. We can do the extracurriculars that we want. And I want to tell you right here and right now that I'm committed to you. I'm committed to all of you. I know each and every one of you by name. I've met your families. I love you people. And I will not stop until we get what we want. I want to run through a wall right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please vote for me for uh, for class president. So I thought that was awesome. I was like, but was you ridiculous. weren't trying to become president. No, no, I wasn't. AP class was my favorite. <laughs> we can take the AP classes that we want to take. And, and I must say, you came a long way from your head in that book, telling that girl to go away, all the way to that. What a transformation. I love that. 100%. Was, it was a lot of fun. It was a yeah. lot of fun. And um, I, just for the record, I did not become class president. They uh, elected me as vice president because okay. I told them. I told them all. I was like, by the way, guys, you shouldn't. You shouldn't make me your president because I like that's not something that I'm going to really be able to give time to. So don't yeah. don't make me president. But it was fun to be vice president. Yeah. Um, it's like so, backup quarterback. Reap all the benefits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Much less responsibility. Exactly. So, you know, did stuff like that. Um, I started this uh, mock trial team at school. My dad's an attorney here in New Orleans, so I got him to come be the coach. Uh, we did mock trial for two years, put together a really good team and had a ton of fun. I uh, did like youth ledge and, um, you know, just, just a lot of other things that were just fun. It was really, really fun. And I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, it, when I, when I then went to go to apply to college, I was like, man, I've done a lot of stuff. Like, this is really cool. I've learned a ton. And this is, this is really actionable information that I can use later on in my life. But I didn't realize it at the time because I just thought it was a lot of fun and stuff I wanted to do. And so I decided that I wanted to go to LSU, which is Louisiana State University. Uh, and I'm, I live in New Orleans. And LSU is about an hour and a half uh, or 
depending on how fast you drive, about an hour yeah. 10 yeah. Uh, from New Orleans. So I was like, I want to be close to home. Um, my, the whole, my mom's side of the family, the whole family is in New Orleans, pretty much. Uh, my dad's family is more spread out. But I wanted to be by my family. I wanted to be with them, by them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a family kind of person. That's what's important to me. So I decided to go to LSU. I decided to start as a pre-med major. I wanted to um, see my dad's an attorney. I kind of wanted to be a lawyer, but then my uncle, who's my godfather, Uncle Sander, he is like one of the top doctors in uh, in Plano, Texas. I mean, just incredibly generous, incredibly successful. I love my uncle so, so much, and he he's a huge role model to me. Uh, so I, I wanted to be a doctor just like him. And so I started pre-med, and they, they said in the little uh, introduction thingy, they're like, hey... Like the, there's like, there's like a week that you could go, I think it's called BIOS or something where you could go and learn more about the whole pre-med track before you really got into it. It was like before school. It's like, Oh, that could be fun. So I went up there and they said, you should definitely aim to start getting internships by the summer of your junior year. And so I was like, okay, that seems like the, uh, the secret saucer, you know, trying to figure out the game learn how to play it and win. So what I decided to do is I was going to get internships now. So I started my first semester and I did really good, made a, made a four of that, that first semester. Um, and then I, I uh, booked two different internships for the winter break um, right after the, the freshman semester. And one was with my uncle in Dallas and the other one was with an orthopedic surgeon in New Orleans. And so I went to those two things and uh, let's just say I realized that medicine was not for me. Um, and I'll tell you the defining moment that I realized that. When I was in the shadowing the orthopedic surgeon, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Charles Murphy, amazing guy, very grateful for the experience to be able to, to spend some time with him. Um, I got to watch him do a minor, very minor knee surgery. It's, it's called an arthroscopy. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. But it's just a basic exploratory surgery in the knee. And I, I got in there, washed my hands, put on all this stuff, and I started looking. The first thing that they did was they took a needle and they stuck it in the knee and this goo just starts shooting out onto the floor. And I'm like, ew, that is disgusting. <laughs> And it was, it was so gross. Right. So they're they're So they're doing the surgery. They're like poking around with all the, the instruments and needles and whatnot. And they finish up after a while. And I'm like, Oh gee, thank goodness. And so they're like, they're like, all right, we're finished up here. Time for lunch. And I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I could barely keep down breakfast and you're talking about lunch. No way. No way, Jose. Not at all. So I made the decision what there and then. What was lunch? I don't even know. I didn't go, I didn't go get it. <laughs> but I made the decision then and there that I was going to not be a pre-med uh, student, not be a doctor. So I switched to finance because I'd been doing some investing since the ninth grade, starting to get uh, interested in stocks. So I did a little bit of research on the side. And so I switched to finance and I figured if I'm seeing blood in finance, I'm doing something wrong. 
enough. The biggest thing is Fair learning enough. what you don't like. So exactly. Blood, check one. I'm really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so switch to finance. And now we're, so I finished out that first year of pre-med just to say I finished it and get that out of my belt. Uh, switch to finance sophomore year and sophomore year um, in the fall around November, I had two phone calls that would change my life forever. The first was with my roommate, Trey. He called and said, hey, dude, I have some T-shirts. I want you to help me sell them. Let's rock and roll. It's like, okay. Second one was with my dad. He was like, hey, dude. He didn't say hey. He's like, hey, Ben, come be my social media intern this summer. I'm holding this like he's saying that to me. Come, come be my social media intern for this summer. And uh, yeah, it'll be great. And I told both of them, you know what? I would love to help you out, but don't hire me. Hire my company. They're like, what are you talking about? You don't have a company. And I was like, I do now. So I figured out that you could literally go online and you could domicile a company in Metairie, Louisiana, for $105 and you just have to Google it. You just have to Google it, type in some stuff, make a company, and then you're legitimately the owner of a company. And I was talking to my dad a little bit about this as the idea was was forming and I was like, dad, the worst thing that could happen is, the worst thing is that I actually become the CEO of an actual company like legally registered, everything's legit. And I spend a couple hundred dollars making that happen. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that could happen? And he's like, yeah, I mean, sure. You have my blessing. You don't really need it, but you have my blessing. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I did it. And I called it Gothard Enterprises. Uh, of course, I was 20 years old. So, you know, <laughs> all narcissism was, was uh, you know, working when making that decision of what to call it. and. I was hooked. Mm. I was I was hooked on entrepreneurship. I remember watching this one video. It was like an hour and a half long video. And it was by this guy, uh, Jason Nazar, who is the founder of DocStock, which was acquired by Intuit. It was called the 21 Fables of Entrepreneurship or something like that. And I watched that video. I got so fired up by that video. And then I just started consuming all this entrepreneurial content, reading books. Uh, one of the ones that really stuck out to me in the beginning was Good to Great by Jim Collins. And I realized, oh my goodness, you could do anything that you want in your life. And you don't have to do the same things that everybody else is doing. You don't have to go down the same path that everybody else is going. In fact, most people are going down a path that they're not going to be that happy with later on in life. So if you get really intentional about it now, you can kind of structure, not kind of, you can structure your life exactly how you want it to be. And then you can go for it and you can attain it and you can try. And the worst thing that can happen is that you fail. And then you go back and do the same thing that everybody else is doing if that's what you want to do. Or you get back up and keep going until you succeed. But at least you freaking tried. At least you took the time and you took the energy and you like you gave it your all. You gave it everything that you had, and you didn't leave anything on the table because, y'all, life is short. Mm-hmm. Life is very, very short. And 
seeing seeing death recently in my life has really given me a lot of perspective. And there is there's no reason why we should let the fears that we have of what if it doesn't work? What if it, like what if I what if I don't make it happen? What about what this person is going to say? What about this? What about that? Who cares? Who cares? If you're worried about what people are going to think and what they're going to say about you, they're saying it anyways. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just do what you want. You might as well just try. Because look, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that the things that I regret are the things that I did not do. They're not the things that I did, even if I messed up, even if I messed up royally. The things that I truly regret are the things that I didn't do. And, and so all of this started to click and all of this started to make sense. Oh, and, 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 and by the way, it's really easy to say that, right? But to live it every day is really, really tough. And I am not saying that I have this mastered by any means, but I'm working my ass off mm-hmm. to get there. And I'm working every day to get better and to develop myself. So anyways, I know I'm going on a ridiculous tangent. Oh, dude, let her go. I want to ask one thing before you keep going. Mm-hmm. When your idea to start your business where you said, hey, don't hire me, hire my company. Did you have any, did you ever have any thoughts about that or like that before they asked you to do that? Or was that kind of inspired by them reaching out to you from the phone calls? The phone, my question is, did the phone call inspire that? Yeah. That call? Phone calls totally inspired that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea entrepreneurship was even a thing. If you would have asked me, what does entrepreneurship mean? I would have said, let me Google it <laughs> because yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Right? No idea. The, yeah. the idea just clicked in my head. And, and I'll tell you this. One thing that I will say uh, has helped me a lot in my journey has been to run with those ideas. Like, you know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking something and like an idea pops up and you're like, oh, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> it's cool. I want to do that. I got, I, yeah. got, I got phone notes full of them. Yeah. Exactly. Write them down, right? Write them down. But here's the thing. Take action on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take action on them. And I find the best way to do that, when, you, when I have an idea, and, and this, this may not be applicable to anybody else, I'm sure it is, but when you have an idea, or at least when I have an idea, a lot of the time, it involves other people. And so what I'll actually do is I will text those other people immediately, immediately. Even if I don't know what I'm going to say to them, I'll text them and say, hey, I have an idea. And I, I, I do that to him all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 He'll just text me like six times in the afternoon like, dude, are you dead? And then be like, <laughs> what do you think about this? How about this? What do you think about this? And it'll be like 7 a.m. I'm sitting in the sauna. I'm like, hey, man, what do you think about this? Exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing. When you text other people, you make it real because then you can't just say, uh, never mind. I mean, you can't wiggle your way out of it, but you shouldn't. You should always chase down that rabbit hole. Even if you chase it down to the point of saying, oh, wow, this is way bigger than I thought and I don't want to do it. Great. At least you figured that out. At least you made that conscious decision. You didn't let that go by you and you didn't let the opportunity pass by because there are so many things that just started with a, ah, this could be cool Mm -hmm. that have developed into some amazing things, amazing things. Okay. So one of the examples of that is my podcast now, 
and, 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 I'll, and I'll get to that, but that was just an idea. That was just like a, oh, that would be cool. I think I want to do it. And then I did it, right? So jumping back, started the company, right? Started doing social media marketing for people because I figured, and this was back in, this was, the, the company was officially started uh, for you know, historical accuracy, December 19th, 2014. That's when I started my first company. And wow, that's a long time ago that I'm thinking about. It. But, but back then, social media was still a lot less saturated and it was still a lot of opportunity that was just like rampant. I mean, you could spend like $100 on Facebook and you could get like, let's say on a video thing and you could get like 100,000 people to see your video. You know, now it's a lot more saturated. Yeah. Um, and you know, just as of the, the time of this recording, which is April 24th, 2019, um, I would just like to go on the record and say, I think Facebook ads are overpriced right now or, or getting to that point very quickly. And I think the smart move is to go and investigate and explore YouTube ads and Snapchat ads. Go mm -hmm. check those two out. Um, that's like right now, you know, do that right now, right now. Yeah. Anyways, so back in the back in the day, it was super easy. No businesses knew what they were doing on social media. And I was like, okay, I grew up in the age of social media. I don't know what I'm doing, but they know less than me. So it's good. It'll work. So I started to then reach out to other businesses. And I was like, hey, I will post for you on social media. You give me, you give me the content. I will post for you weekly. You know, twice a week I'll post for you. And I said, I will charge you $400 a month per platform. That was it. It's like, all right, let's boogie. Let's do it. And I still remember October of 2015. So it took me like eight months or 10 months, whatever. October of 2015, I got my first check for $800. Nice. My first check for $800. I still have that check. Yeah. Good. Still have that check. And... I remember I immediately, immediately drove to my dad's office and I was like, dad, you are not going to believe what happened today. <laughs> and I busted out the check and I was like, dad, look at this. How cool is this? It's a real check with real money. <laughs> and so how do you he, like them apples pops yeah smack a rubies yeah the world. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, was awesome that, yeah. it was amazing and uh, you know he's of course been super supportive the the whole time and it was awesome and we uh we we had a he took out I think Johnny Walker blue or Johnny Walker black something like that Ooh, wow. that, that really nice stuff is and he's like He's like, Ben, and he sits down the thing on the table. He's like, now we celebrate. That's and awesome. I took a shot with my dad on that day. And um, that was dad move. this is one of the best days of my life, really. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. That's yeah. hella good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's goals right there. Yeah. That's how yeah. Well, ben, it was, what, was, what was the – oh, sorry. What were you saying? Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. You go. I was just going to ask, like, what was, you said it was like 10 months – what, what do you think was the breakthrough? Obviously, you had to put in effort, repeatedly effort, without immediate results for a while to get to that point. But what was like the difference maker for you? Persistence, what was it that you did, the steps you took to get that first check? Yeah, so this is actually probably going to be very contrary to what most people think. 
I decided to very, very clearly define a very, very simple service. I said two posts a week, $400 per platform. That's it. And then I started talking to business owners. That was it. Like, like I came up with something, I built something and then I sold it and I wasted so much time. I wasted time trying to get things perfect and figure things out and get it up and running, worrying about this, worrying about a logo, worrying about blah, 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 blah. None of that's important. Figure out something that you want to sell and sell the shit out of it. That's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. Even if it's something that to you seems very basic, like posting two times a week on Facebook, that's fucking easy. Okay. But another business in another situation they don't know how to do that. They don't know why that's important. They don't want to have to get people that they're paying $60,000 a year to divert their time doing their job to do that. So go and save them time. Save them time. Save them money. Don't try to go promise that you're going to make them a bajillion dollars. Promise them that you'll save them time and save them money because that's what they care about. Mm-hmm. That's really what they want. So, yeah. so let's say you're starting a social media company today. Okay. You could literally go to the business and you can say, I will post for you once a day, every day on one platform, Facebook for, you know, $300 a month or whatever, you know, or I will, I will create one graphic for you a week for $200 a month. You know, anything or, or if you're going to do the local business thing, you could say, you could say, I will show up at your office or wherever and I will take pictures for you and I will then schedule out those pictures to go out one a day for the next 30 days and you will pay me $500 a month. I mean, anything. I mean, I know I'm, I know I'm getting like really specific on social media, but you could do yeah, that with no, that's good. Yeah. thinking a lot. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Someone and listening can be like, oh, it's that easy. It's that easy. There's a lot of money out there. It really is. It really is. And look, you don't have to be an expert to do a service for somebody. Okay. Let's say you have imposter syndrome and you feel like you can't go ask for money. Go to a business owner and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to serve you. I want to do something for you and I want to earn your business. Tell me one thing. That is a huge waste of your time that you would love for somebody to handle for you. And I will do it for you for free for two weeks. Mm. You think they're going to turn down free labor? <laughs> if they are, they're stupid and you should probably not be working with them anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go do that. You, you might be saying, yeah, uh, I want to do, I want to start a business. I don't know what I'm going to sell. I don't have any skills. Great. Great. That means you're more receptive. Like you're more open to figuring out what the market actually wants. So go do exactly what I just said and solve their problems. Like you don't have to come up with this brilliant idea. I hear all the time. I'm just waiting for a good idea. Well, that's fucking stupid. (laughs) You're wasting your fucking time. You are wasting time when you could be going and speaking to people and actually making things happen. You're not going to make anything happen. If you sit, if you're sitting in your room playing with your logo, that's just not going to do anything for you. 
Yes, eventually you need to have good branding. You need it. All that needs to be consistent and you need to be producing content. You need to be positioning yourself as an authority in your space. But if you don't have anything, why would you be wasting your time doing that when you could just be selling? Mm -hmm. The people that are going to pay you money most of the time are people that are so busy doing their stuff and working on their business, they're not going to watch your content anyways. Mm -hmm. They're definitely not going to watch your content if you're not a Tony Robbins or a, a insert other gurus names sure. in there anyways. They want to learn from the top dogs who have already been in the trenches, but they definitely want to get serviced by you. Mm -hmm. And somebody else is going to come along and offer that service to them anyway, so you might as well do it. Yeah. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I mean, good. So I started doing that, got the check, amazing day. That was awesome. Uh, and then I just started picking up more clients. And as a junior in college, um, it was, it was amazing. I, you know, I was making pretty good money and it was really fun. And I started working with different clients, had a few pay me, a few didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing whatever sure. and figuring it out. Um, then I started to think, ah, I should build a team. I should build, build a team so that I can go sell. And then my team can help me deploy the, deploy the service or my team can help me sell. So I built, I got up to a team of eight at one point and that was just a disaster. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was an awful <laughs> leader, an awful manager. And like it got to a point where the only really successful like relationship that I had was with one individual who like me and this one guy, Danny, who still one of my best friends to date, we tore shit up and we, and we made some, we made some stuff happen. And, uh, and he, you know, he would come with me to the meetings with the clients and he would actually help me service the clients. And, you know, I, I'm very grateful for, for his time um, and for the, for the work ethic that, that he displayed there. You know, shout out to you, Danny. You're the freaking man. So anyway, so it's doing that. Um, what were some of the things that drove like that? Uh, you said you only had one successful relationship. I'm kind of intrigued by that, having a team of eight and one worked. Um, what kind of drove that? What did that look like? Well, I didn't know what I was doing. And it got to the point where it was just like, it kind of got a little toxic with some people. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was a mistake or not, uh, but I hired a lot of my friends mm. and that, that was difficult in a lot of ways. One of my best friends, uh, I'm no longer friends with now because he kind of, he kind of screwed me over and tried to, tried to take everything that I had. Mm. And, uh, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I've been building this thing. You're trying to take it from me. Mm -hmm. like man. go go fuck yourself and yeah. you know he's one of my best friends at the time and i was like yeah. man good thing good thing i saw your shoe colors now um but anyway so i just i didn't do what i needed to do to be a good to good be a good leader i didn't train i didn't set at clear expectations i was a freaking idiot and like i i thought i thought i was gonna be a multi-millionaire in like a year and so 
I started on, and honestly, this is totally on me, totally my fault, but I started to make promises to the people that I was working with that I could not keep. Like, Hey, we're going to get to this level in this amount of time. And I'm going to pay you this much at that time. And like, there's no way that that was going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I was a fucking idiot for doing that. And I ruined some relationships that I really wish I hadn't ruined because of that. And it was totally because I was arrogant and I thought, I thought things were going to happen much more quickly. And instead of just shutting my mouth and working and like continuing to repeat the thing that was working, um, I just made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I worked with some very talented people and I let them down a hundred percent. It was my fault. A hundred percent. It was my fault. Um, here's another thing that I, that I did that I, that it was, it was an error that, I really hope people listening, watching, do not make this mistake ever. Okay. When you start to sell and you start to you start to get people buying something, okay, do not stop selling that thing. Do not fucking stop selling that thing that is making you money. I thought I started with social media management, like the the posting. I thought once I started to get some clients, oh, I should start doing Facebook ads too because that, you know, that's what people really want. And like, it's true. They did want that, but not for me, not for me. What they wanted for me at that time was social media management. And I was getting paid to do that. And I started to shift my focus away from that instead of going all in on that and focusing only on that and being an expert in that one thing. I tried to spread thin and do too many things. And that was one of the mistakes that I made. And so after, after a point, it got to where I didn't know who I was as a, as a business owner. I didn't know what my company was really good at. And it was just, it was dumb. It was so dumb. I should have stayed selling that one thing to that one type of business owner. And I should have just repeated that over and 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 over again. Like seriously. Okay. Because once you find one thing that works, you're ahead of 99% of the population because most people can't figure out how to make a fucking dime. And if you find that thing where you can sell and you can make money and people are buying it and you know how to do it and you're being successful doing that, just keep doing it. Do it more. Do it so much. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like triple down on it because here's the thing to find a winner like that is fucking hard. It is hard to make it work. It is hard to do things that work. It is hard to be consistent with that. So why would you go add multiple layers of complexity by trying to add different products or services when you're just starting to, to like make money with one, just make your money with one. And go all in on that. Go all in on that. Like, if, if, if you're doing something and you're making good money, do it more. It's going to be repetitive. You might get bored. You might think, oh, I really wish I didn't have to do this. But you're making money, do it. And do it again. And do it some more. Until everybody on the fucking planet is buying it from you. World domination, baby. That's what I'm talking about. In that Let's go. One thing. That one thing, like, like put your blinders on. If somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I want to do this with you. And you say, and you're thinking in your head, Oh man, that's not a, that's not related to my one thing. You say, sorry, not now. No. And, and then somebody else is going to come, Hey, I have a great opportunity for you. Sorry, but no, or maybe not sorry, but maybe just no. 
you know, let's talk later. Do you want to buy this thing from me? I can help you out. You know, so just focus on that one thing. Okay. And I know people are probably saying, what do you know? You're 24 years old. I'm telling you, if you find something that works, you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of 99% of people out there because everybody's playing around on social media and they're not selling. But if you can do that and you can find that thing to sell and you can deploy it successfully and then people are buying it from you and it's working, do that a million times, please. Mm -hmm. Please, please do that a million times. I promise you, I promise you, it will make you more successful than you ever thought possible. Okay? Drill down into that one thing. Once you're there, okay, there making a million dollars a day or $100,000 a day, then expand. When people say you should diversify your income, that's fucking stupid unless you're like a multi multi millionaire and everything's systematized and you've maxed that out to where you can't go any harder. You can't push farther in that one thing. Somebody like somebody like uh, Jeff Bezos, yeah, he should diversify his income, okay? Because he's a billionaire, and like, but when you're starting out, don't diversify. Focus, 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 focus. Okay. So, anyways, once again, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. So, I was doing the company, making some money making even more mistakes. I probably made more mistakes than anybody else on this freaking planet. Seriously, guys, like I have messed up so many times and fucked up so many times and like done things that are just stupid, just dumb, just stupid. So please, like, I hope y'all don't make those same mistakes that I did. So we're working, doing the company, um, making good grades in finance. And then I decide, I'm going to diversify my income. I'm going to, you know, I made that mistake too, right? So I started writing and uh, I took a year to write this, but uh, I published my first book, July 3rd of 2016. It's called CEO at 20, a little book for big dreams. That's cool, man. I like that title. It was, it was cool. Like I loved it. It was, it was a passion project for me and it, it got to a point where I was like, I'm going to do this. I could do this. You know, I, I, I've come this far. There's no way I'm giving up now. So I uh, did that. It was cool. Um, the first day we launched, or I launched it, um, it got to number 88 on Amazon's bestseller list for the entrepreneurship category, which nice. Not that impressive, but I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah, and, top 100, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah, good. Amazon's got a lot of stuff on it, man. Yeah. Yeah, so started doing that. Those next five days, I messaged every person that I had ever met in my entire life. And I was like, hey, got this book out, just published it, would love your support. Please go grab a copy and leave me a review. That's what I, I just ruthlessly, ruthlessly messaged every single person that I had ever known. And, you know, that's how I got to, the, to number 88 on Amazon. And I quickly realized that I don't know enough people. And I needed a marketplace to sell to. That was my own. And so I, that's how Project Egg came along. Uh, Project Egg stands for Entrepreneurs Gathering for Growth. And if you can see, let me move the mic. Project Egg. There you go. <laughs> right. so, yeah, so 
Project Asia. I saw a marketing ploy there, mid mid combo. Oh yeah, I threw threw that one in. I oh, have a, no free ads. <laughs> I should have a little logo floating above my head right here. Where <laughs> <laughs> you should you should Photoshop an animated egg for your head. Project Egg. Exactly. <laughs> or those those sticker tattoos. Put it on each cheek. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I love it. You got team spirit. Let's hear it. <laughs> so um. So I started Project Egg and my idea was I'm going to invite entrepreneurs to a group, a Facebook group, and I'm going to listen to their problems and I'm going to write about my answers to those problems and I'm going to sell it to them. That was my idea. Well, I very quickly realized, oh, and I grew the group by sliding into DMs of entrepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Just slid right on in, Mm. hard and true. Hey, hey people. Hey, you know, John or Tim, Colin, I noticed that you're a fellow entrepreneur and I wanted to reach out. Would you be interested in joining a group of entrepreneurs that I'm building to brainstorm, problem solve, and grow together? I sent that to like a billion people. And at some points, Facebook was like, hey, it looks like you're not using this tool properly. You cannot... Uh, friend anybody else right now or you can't oh, of course so i've i've been flirting with that message for years now um but people started to to join the group and you know got 50 members 100 members 200 members and now i think we're at like 500 something members in the group itself at one point we got to almost 700 but then in like one day like 100 people just got deleted so i don't know what that was about but anyways I quickly realized that the people in the group were way more successful than I was. And so I started to think, huh, wouldn't it be cool if I interviewed them and asked them the questions that I had about entrepreneurship? And then that was the idea. It's like, why don't I just ask them the questions that I have? Because I had so many questions at the time. I still have a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the world's most curious entrepreneur. And so I started asking some people. And they started to say yes. And that is how the podcast started. That's how the Project Egg Show started. And they started interviewing these people. And I got some rock stars in the first couple of interviews. Um, it was amazing. It's amazing. Like if you, if you ask somebody if you can interview them, that gives you a backdoor to be able to talk to them. Even if you shouldn't by any stretch of the imagination be talking to them, if you ask to interview them, a lot of the times you will get time with them. And these people could charge thousands of dollars an hour for consulting. You get a free hour because you're interviewing them. Mm-hmm, okay. Right. Secret ninja hack. Okay. You want to build connections, start a podcast. There you go. Right. Yep. And it's not that hard. Okay. Now clearly I have a, you know, a set, a backdrop with professional lights everywhere, a webcam, a camera, a mixer, um, this isn't a camera. This is a microphone, um, like a microphone arm, pot filter, headphones, all that stuff. But like I started with my headphones, which were like the little Apple ones with the mic and mm-hmm. Skype. That's it. That's it. I would recommend Zoom now. I would recommend Zoom over Skype. But Zoom is free. Why do you like Zoom better? Uh, it's just easier mm-hmm. and you can send the little Zoom invite and it's like, you know, they know where to go, you know where to go, everybody's cool with the time. And Skype had 
some issues with the recording software that I was using. And so I was like, I don't want to deal with you. Plus you can stream from zoom. You can live stream from zoom to like a bunch of other platforms. And now I figured out how to, how to live stream to about 18 different platforms. That's cool. So like, you know, I'll do video, I'll live stream to 18 different platforms. Then my team comes back in, extracts the audio, publishes it at a, as a podcast to another 10 or so platforms. And then we market it on social media to another five to five to 10 platforms. So all in all, one video gets turned into like 30 plus pieces of content, right? And then you can extract quotes. You can take clips from the video, clips from the audio and do all that thing again. So it's, uh, yeah. That's genius. So all that, like it's taken me a lot of time to figure that out, but all that come can come from Zoom. You can do, you can use Zoom. Um, and here's the tech stack I use. Zoom with the pro, Zoom pro with the webinar upgrade. It's like $50 a month. Then uh, I use Calendly and Calendly integrates with Zoom. That's another $12 a month. So you're at, you know, 60 something a month. By the way, those two things are, you can do the free stuff. The Zoom free, you just can't do the uh, live streaming. The Calendly free, you just can't integrate directly with Zoom. So, mm. you know, take that for what you will. There are free options to do it. But if you're willing to invest in what you're doing, like if you believe in it, you will, then um, that's that's the tech stack that I recommend. Plus, there's a, there's a few other things. I use Zapier a lot for some automation. Um, and, then I've, and then I've built a team of uh, today, it's about four people, not about, today it's four people on the team. Um, I have a graphic designer, an executive assistant or executive manager and two virtual assistants. And we coordinate with this project management software called aura.pm. And we use Facebook messenger to, to, uh, type, to do the little chat things. Cool, man. Yeah. So anyways, to go back, um, the podcast really started to take off and that started to be really cool and take off in the terms of, I started interviewing some insanely, insanely cool people. Um, you know, I've gotten to talk to Grant Cardone, Patrick Bed David, uh, Pat Flynn, Nicholas Kuzmich, uh, Kim Garst, Ryan Stuman, Ivan my Dr. Ivan Meisner, Rob Dial, Christian Hagaseth, like insanely talented and <clears throat> big movers and shifters of our economy yeah no joke yeah like Cardone. that's i mean that's a big name right there for sure right yeah. The yeah i just i just actually flew out to miami and interviewed him in his studios if you see here and i kept this for occasions like this but if you see here you see the little grant cardone visitor yeah pass? Yeah, yeah that's wild legendary it's, it's proof it's proof yeah. plus it's all over the internet but anyways <laughs> so like what I realized was for me, I loved interviewing people because it gave me access to people that I wanted to talk to. And now we're about senior year of college. Okay. And I'm running my agency, writing books. I've since published 10 plus books and did hit Amazon number one best selling author in about three different categories. Um, um, doing the podcast. Also doing school. I also started an e-commerce store with a with a with a buddy of mine, somebody that I interviewed. The interviews lead to partnerships, customers, and mentors. By the way, mm -hmm. and on top of that, I also wanted to have a social life and sleep every once in a while. So, <laughs> yeah, occasionally. So, I was going 
bonkers. Like my mind was just exploding with being spread too thin. And oh, there was one other thing that I was doing at the time. Um, but one of one of my friends, one of my best friends growing up, Michael, uh, he went to to high school with me at Pat Taylor. He and I were talking one day, and we were like, "What if we started a music festival? Wouldn't that be cool?" Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of jokingly uh, talking about it, and I was like, "I was like, no, Michael, that would be cool." Michael, I think we should do this. And I think we should do this now. See that idea that I was like, let's do this right now. So I immediately started researching. I found like a plan and then I I typed it up. I added to the plan and I was like, Michael, this is what I think we should do. And he's like, let's do it. So he spearheaded it, spearheaded it. And he brought along this other gentleman, um, this other gentleman. Oh my God. I'm so blanking. I love, I love this guy. Wow, that's super embarrassing. Um, he but doesn't anyways. love you enough, guy. <laughs> you know a lot of people, so I'm yeah. sure things slip here and there. No, this he is, was a gentleman, though. This is awful because I, you know, I've been to his house a bunch. Like he's he's literally one of my really good friends, and I feel so awful because, wow, I'm an ass right it'll, here. It'll, it'll, come, it'll come up eventually. It'll come right back. on right on the forehead. Um, could have a V8. But exactly. But anyways, so those two really took it and they went hard on Everett. Everett Fontenot. Everett, welcome to the show, buddy. How are we doing? Everett, I love you, brother. I'm so sorry for that. You're the man. You know, I love you. <laughs> I feel like a piece of shit for that. Anyways. No, it, Everett, happens, it happens all the time. It's all no good. worries. No worries. Everett and Michael took that idea and they ran with it on UNO's campus, which is the, the local uh, university in New Orleans that has a huge amphitheater. I helped with the marketing and putting the plan together and the strategic thinking. There are, of course, other people who are very instrumental and many thanks to them. But Everett and Michael were the two like go-getters and I was helping with the strategy because I was up at LSU. So we did it. We actually put together this music festival and it was called Finals Fest. You can look it up. I live stream some of it on my uh, on my. Facebook profile, you got to scroll back way, way back, but we'll find it. And it was epic. It was so cool. And we thought we want to have a 12-hour festival two Fridays before exams start because two weeks before exams start, that's when people start going hard on studying. So we wanted to like one last party before you have to study hard. And so we locked down the venue. We got the artists. We went out and passed flyers. We did some Facebook marketing. We got like a bunch of people to, to get hyped about it. We got local artists to come and show their wares. We had somebody bring Super Smash Bros and set up a TV. We had food. Like we got all of our moms to do the food and like oh, nice. to, to create the food, to sell the food, sell the drinks. And it was amazing. And it was so cool. And we pulled it off and between 50 to 80 people were there the whole time throughout this whole 12 hour festival, you know, coming and going. Now that may not sound like a lot. Okay. But when everybody's dancing and going hard and you have this small thing that you put together yourself and like, it's like a lot of people that showed up. That's pretty rad, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we sustained that crowd the whole time and we did it for three semesters in a row and it was Awesome. Awesome. Just amazing. So all those things that I was doing, 
Um, and then I spent a little bit of time dabbling in, uh, in programming and coding. I had, I talked with some friends of mine who kind of exposed me to this idea of building like an algorithm, a trading algorithm. And so I kind of went buck wild with that for a little bit, started to learn how to code a little bit more. Anyways, tons of ideas, tons of all these, tons of things happening. And eventually I was like, I cannot do all of this. You know, at one point I was like, I'm going to drop out of school so I can pursue all this stuff. Mm. And, uh, that, that was crazy. I, I never thought I would be the kid to think that, but I didn't, I, I finished. Um, but I decided something's got to give because the quality is starting to slip from all the things that I'm doing. So here comes another big mistake. I shut down my agency and I fired all my clients. That was so dumb. That was so dumb. I should have hired a manager to come in and handed off the responsibility to somebody else. So the cash flow kept coming in. Mm -hmm. Huge mistake there. Huge mistake there. Um, and so I handed that off and I closed it down. I'm sorry, I didn't hand it off. I should have handed it off, but I closed it down. I stopped writing um, and I started to sleep more, which is good. Um, I started, I focused more on Project Egg. Um, the e-commerce store shut down and I focused, focused back on school. And uh, to be honest with you, I started to party a little bit more then. And it was fun, but stupid. It's dumb. And uh, yeah, so all this stuff's happening. And then I graduated from from college and I started doing, um, uh, through Project Egg, I met my now partner um, who were, you know, we're, the three of us are partners um, in, a, uh, in, in a different business that I'll tell you all about in a little bit. But we started, because he's a brilliant brilliant branding and design expert. So he was like, Hey dude, let's do a marketing agency together. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just shut, I just shut mine down. I don't want to do this again. And, uh, he happens to run an eight figure, uh, supplement manufacturing business. Wow. And he was like, no dude, let's do it. And I was like, all right, well, if someone, and he was also my mentor for a long time. And, and, I, and I had interviewed him for Project Egg and asked him to be my mentor. Oh, yeah. Another pro tip. Here's how, you, here's how you get mentors. You start a podcast. You invite people onto your podcast. You ask them the question, what's your story? You let them tell their story. And then you ask them some follow-up questions. You then end the interview. And then at the end of the interview, you say, would you consider being my mentor? And they will say yes. And then you have a mentor. And then you follow up with them, you make magic happen, you take over the world. Okay. You can have more than one mentor. Sure. You can never have Absolutely. too many mentors. Okay. So yeah, just that's a, that's a ninja pro tip. So he was my mentor. We talked once a week for close to a year and that's when he was like, let's do the marketing agency. So we did it. So he owns, uh, sorry to backtrack. This was super intriguing to me. Uh, the manufacturer of supplements. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't run a supplement company, but manufactures for them. Yeah. So let's say okay. you're a retailer, you want to sell and he can give you the stuff that you need to sell. He can manufacture yeah. it for you. Um, and I'll, I'll tell y'all more about, about their businesses cause they're 
they're brilliant. So that'd, be, that'd be interesting to hear about that. Cause you, you know, I've, that's the one thing that I've kind of read and researched a lot is the supplement industry and the, the stuff you, you end up learning way down the line, how deep it goes. Like, wow, it's a bunch of shit. Oh yeah. So we started the agency. Um, and it was, it was cool. And, uh, you know, we got to a point where we figured out that the agency really wasn't where we wanted to spend most of our time. Um, but we noticed that one of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs were having, that business owners were having, especially when they got into the six figures a month arena and up, um, was that they all had the same problem. And you could identify that problem by asking them, what would happen if you woke up tomorrow and your payment processor stopped working or your merchant account got shut down or the bank decided to that, that you weren't, uh, that your business didn't fall within their risk tolerance profile, so they cut you off. And, and payment processing, by the way, is being able to accept credit cards or, or being able to accept payment from your customers. So if you go to the store like uh, at McDonald's or something, you put your card in, it beeps, you take your card out. That thing, mm-hmm. that is the payment processing. Yeah, like that or EFT or something like that. Uh, or different. Think? Like electronic? Uh, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on in the payments. Okay. Right? It just, I don't want to dive too, too into that, but um, you can also do a lot of stuff online. So, for example, Stripe. You've heard of them? I have not. Okay. So, uh, PayPal. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you can, you can send a PayPal link to somebody else. They will pay you through PayPal. PayPal was the merchant processor that made that happen. Okay, so we decided to build our own solution to the payment problem, right? How do you have really good payments? Because what we saw was there was an issue that if you got your account shut down and if PayPal decides we're holding your money, you can no longer accept payments, your cash flow stops. And if your cash flow stops, your business stops. And if your business stops, you're screwed. So the solution to that is to work with somebody much more intimately so that they understand your business better, so that you have more safeguards and tools to prevent getting shut down. For example, one of the things that we rolled out that was really, really, really successful and helpful to our clients is a um, chargeback prevention tool where let's say I buy from you, I am unhappy with my product. I try to initiate a refund. Typically, that goes straight to the bank. After a certain amount of those refunds, the bank's going to shut you off. So you can't sell anyone. Well, with this chargeback prevention tool, I initiate a refund. The technology comes in and gives you, the merchant, the ability to give me my money back before it goes to the bank. Got it. It's amazing. Okay. Anyways, we built, we built this company, built the solution. It's called QuiverPay. And we are now partners in it. and it's it's I have two partners in that those two own the supplement manufacturing company they also own a CBD refinery they also own a distribution company oh wow so they got their hands full so they have the whole their whole ecosystem there and the merchant processing company that we built is a bolt on to that existing ecosystem and they're 
wildly successful. They're amazing at what they do. They're the real experts. They know what they're doing. Um, I am so, uh, I feel very, very fortunate to have met them and to be able to work with them and, and be their partner because yeah. they're, they're awesome. So I started, started building out the, that partnership. Um, and then I, I decided I want to go all in on project egg and I want to turn this into a force to be reckoned with. So, um, after I graduated and I was playing around with the agency and then we started, we built out the solution, um, I was like, you know what? I'm not giving Project Egg the love that it deserves because all of my contacts in the entrepreneurial space had come from Project Egg or from skills that I had learned through Project Egg. And so um, I started building a team. And like I said, now I have the team of four figured out, you know, I built processes and systems to really like get my content um, scheduled and packaged and quality and I've been very fortunate again to, like I said, to be able to interview some incredible people and all of it, all of it was made possible in my opinion, because of the love and support of my parents. And, uh, you know, my family is the, the best family in the whole wide world and they support me in everything that I do. And I'm very, very lucky to have them. And, I, you know, I, I really don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for the, the love and, and encouragement and support of my, of my family. So I started off by saying that and I want to end my story by saying that, that I love my family. I am so lucky and so grateful to them for everything that they've done for me. And they will never, never, ever, ever, ever know how grateful I really am ever. There's no way I could, I could even put that in words. So that's my story. That's, uh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, we talked about, you know, the importance of parenting and being blessed with really good supporting families and parents. And, uh, you know, there's also something you said you were a terrible leader at a point, you made a bunch of mistakes at a point, but from hearing the story then to hearing how you talk now, it takes quite an excellent leader to reveal the negatives and the fuck ups and then own it too. And just say, no, that wasn't on anyone but me because I made all the decisions. I made the decision to hire so-and-so and so-and-so and that was me. So from outside looking in, you're a pretty damn good leader and you've done a lot of good things so far. So don't, don't knock yourself down too hard. We well, appreciate that. And Tim, Tim and I make mistakes all the time, man. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not a day that ends in why if I don't make a mistake somewhere along the line. I like what you said about your parents and, from the beginning, they instilled a belief in you that you can go do whatever you want in this life and they're going to support you behind a hundred percent. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't, that have good parents that are going to support them, but they kind of feel pressured to go down a certain path. And the fact that your parents were open to you doing whatever you want in the world and were excited when you, I mean, like you said, when you brought your check home to your dad, I bet how the fact that he got out the Jimmy Walker, like, I bet that was just such a special moment for you coming to fruition and always having their support. That's awesome. Now I want some John Walker. <laughs> but. That's cool, man. Well, look, dude, we, uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, joining us on, on episode of off the dome radio, man. This was uh, fun. Finally fun to see you and meet you, even though virtually, uh, 
any last like kickers of advice, uh, advice to a younger self or to other people, entrepreneurs starting out? I know you kind of covered the spectrum, but any, any last quips where it's, uh, you know, like a heavy hitter, like just keep on this. One of the things that probably would have allowed me to become much more successful much more quickly would be if I would have picked one thing, given it everything that I've got. Mm-hmm. I don't care what that one thing is, but you have one thing, at least one thing that you're great at, that makes you special, that you're passionate about. Whatever that thing is, and I don't know what it is for you, but you know. You know, when I say that and you think of that thing and you're like, nah, that can't be it. But you thought of that. That's the thing. Mm. Okay. Go after that. Go after that with everything you've got. Don't stop until you're the best in the world at that one thing. Focus on it. Because there are not enough people who are living their genius who are activating that piece of themselves and and contributing as much as they can contribute and look we need that in the world we need more people to be uh, uh, working or, or doing or, or living at maximum potential because that's how we're going to progress as a human race Okay, when all of us can find that thing and be honest with ourselves about what it's not and be even more honest with ourselves about what it is and ask ourselves the hard questions. And look, it's fucking difficult. You're going to think that you're going to want to do this and you can do that and you can do this and that. Just pick one thing and give it everything you've got. And I promise you, I promise you, that if you devote your life to that thing, to yourself, to making yourself the best version that you could possibly be, I promise you that you will lead a fulfilling life and doors will open for you in ways that you had no idea even existed. And that will give you the power and the freedom to go do anything that you want in your life. But it starts with that singular focus. I believe in you. I know you can do it. Okay. How do you find that focus? Well, let's start by recognizing that we need to look inside of ourselves. You can't go read a book that's going to tell you. You can't go. You can't listen to this interview. And I can't tell you. You know, as as intelligent and as handsome as Colin and Tim are, they can't tell you that. You oh, you stop it now. You stop that. <laughs> Pumping us up. <laughs> it's getting warm in here, Tim. But, <laughs> but, but you know what it is, okay? And if you can't think of it, then get out a piece of paper just like this one. And just like this one right here, okay? And write stuff down. Each line, write a new idea, okay? And keep writing 
until, and you could write 500 things before this, this happens to you, but keep writing until you write something down that you actually give a shit enough to want to stand behind and then go try it. If you try it and you don't like it, then try something else and keep writing. Okay. It could take you a year to find the thing that you really want to do for the rest of your life, but you are worth it. Mm-hmm. You are worth it. So find that thing. Then go find a mentor who's already done the thing that you're trying to do and interview the shit out of them. Like go find a bunch of mentors who are all doing the things that you, the thing that you want to do. Find the top one, the one that you vibe with the most. Make that person your mentor. Build out a plan, okay? And when you're interviewing them, write down the key turning moments for them, how they did what they did. Write out a plan of how they did it. Apply that to your specific situation and figure out how you're going to do it. And then go and try and do it. Devote yourself devote, like devote yourself completely to, to that. And then check in with them when you come across stumbling blocks and get them to tell you how you're messing up because you will. It's okay. You got to go through the mess ups in order to get to the successes. And then you have a game plan and then you just execute and you do it and you live happily ever after. That is what I would say would be the thing to remember. Right on, dude. Thank you for that. And the, the listeners are going to get a lot of value from that as well as everything you said. And one final question, where can people find you, Ben, if they're like trying to find you online? What's the best way to go about and get in touch with you? So I'm on, well, I would go to projectegg.co, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-E-G-G.co. That's the website. And if you don't want to go to the website, which it's totally cool, um, you can hit me up on Facebook. That's usually the the easiest way to um, reach out to me. So Facebook or go to my website. Uh, There's a little button on the bottom of my homepage that I kind of put there as like a, like a little Easter egg thing. Cause the homepage is pretty long at the, all the way bottom. There's a button that will go directly to my Facebook messenger and I will answer you. It may take me a little while, but I promise that I will answer you. Great. It's awesome. Thanks again, Ben. <laughs>